In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Man, we have a special podcast episode for you today. I wanted to give you a chance to listen to a message I gave to a great church in Reedley, California about whether or not you are a fan or a follower of Jesus. I think you're really going to get some tremendous insight and Bible teaching out of this episode. Hey, and if you're wanting to know more about booking me as a speaker at your events, just go to menandarena.org and we have a speaking tab at the top. Click on that. It'll give you all the information that you need for prices and availability. God bless you and enjoy this episode. So it is my pleasure to introduce Jim Ramos, 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 Ramos. Whatever. Whatever you want to call him. He's here. Thank you, guys. Give him a hand. So funny, when my uh, family settled in Hanford, Lemoor area in the 1900s, it was the Broom Ramosh. And apparently that means brown branches. I don't know. And then three, two of the brothers took on the name Ramos, 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 whatever you want to call it, and one went by Brown. So if you see any Portuguese down south with the last name of Brown, they're probably related to me. So I got to tell you, this is an honor to be here. Uh, I'm really excited. We had a great day yesterday. We had 77 men there and a couple women. Because if you know, beside every good man is a great woman. So <laughs> I'm telling you what. So uh, we were, bre- and I'll tell you what, I had so many breads yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit bloated this morning, which I realize is a man law violation. Hey, if you're a guy here and you, aren't, you weren't able to be here yesterday, I do have a free book for you. It's called Man Laws, 101 Ways to Get Your Man Card Revoked and Rules to Live By. And I got to tell you, I've been, I was teased yesterday. You know, smack talk is the love language of guys, and I was teased because I do enjoy a pumpkin spice latte. So, uh, uh, he and his bride brought a pumpkin spice latte, and I have to confess, I've got a little <coughs> lactose issue going on, which I'm pretty sure that's also a man law violation. So anyway, go to meninarena.org and grab your copy of that book. It is for free. And on a more serious note, we've got a book for you dads out there called Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters, and it's a 200-page uh, document. It's only got about 10,000 words, guys. It's super easy to read, but it'll really help you uh, to, uh, to identify and have a goal that before your kids leave your home, there are at least 208 things or 200 things that you're going to tell them. It's a great resource. You can pick that up at manly.org. And also, if you're not a reader but you're a listener, we have the number one podcast on Spotify for Christian men. It's called the Manly Arena Podcast. And uh, every week, thousands and thousands of men from over 160 countries listen to this podcast. It's free, and you don't have to read. You're going to love it. Okay, so I just want to give you that. And I want to tell you, so why am I here? I am here because of a power couple. They are an amazing couple. Last week alone, we had a video called, Is Your Wife Your Lock Screen and Home Screen? We had seven and a half million 
people watch this thing. And I just want to sit back and tell you, I'm just the guy making the stupid videos. They are the talent behind all of it. And so in your church every week, hundreds of thousands of people are being impacted for Christ because of that family. So I'm just telling you that. Okay. So, but here we are. It is fall, and it is, isn't this the first week of NFL? It is football season, people. I mean, I'll tell you what. This is, this is, the, this is the week if you are a fan. Now, I went to Morro Bay High School. Caitlin Gibson was in my youth group, graduated in 1997, and uh, I uh, am a big Morro Bay High School fan. I played football there. I do a football scholarship there to this day for an athlete who graduates and is going on. And so, man, this is my, and I was given this hat by the head coach. Last night, they beat Fresno 16 to 13. Go Pirate Blue. Are you a Fresno person? Oh, come on. Come on. I'm also the chaplain of a, a university. Linfield University has more consecutive wins than any university in college football history, all divisions. My son has more consecutive starts there in the history of the school. He was the punter. <laughs> so I'm now the chaplain, so I put this on. Whenever I go speak to the guys, we do a Tuesday after practice prayer, and I speak to them at home games, do their chapel. I'm a big fan of coffee, even if it isn't a pumpkin spice latte. Uh, Juniper Mountain Trading Post Coffee Company sponsors our podcast, so I'll put that hat on if I want to cheer them on. Uh, I am a big-time hunter and fisherman. I love this company called Born and Raised Outdoors. And when I'm going to go out in the elk hunting for a week with my son in two weeks, archery elk hunting, I'm going to rock the hat and rock my fan, the guys I follow. And then I am a big fan of my own ministry, Men in the Arena. So all these hats, I just design them to match. See, here's the deal, you guys. I know that you're thinking this. Let's get the elephant out of the room. Let's get it out of the room. I am bald. I'm okay with that. It's okay to say that, but do not rub my head and try to make a wish. You will go, I'll go Old Testament on you. So, I, okay, I'm a bald man, and that's okay. In 2012, we launched this ministry with 15 guys in a coffee shop, very average guys, from 28 to 75 years old, and God has really blessed the ministry, and right now we have about 250,000 people every week that actually have clicked a thumb, clicked a heart, clicked a, clicked a share button, God help us, send us an emoji, and they're following the ministry. And I have people all the time come up to me and say, Jim, I, I follow your ministry. I just had a waitress walk up the other day and said, is this you? You're TikTok famous. I follow you. So I've, I've pondered this. You know, as a, I'm a 57-year-old dude posting TikTok videos. I mean, what's wrong with me? But I've pondered this thing. Why? What is, what is this, what does it mean when people say they follow me? Are they followers of our, of our organization or of the videos? Or are they really fans, right? Are they true followers? Because a follower does certain things that a fan, let me, let me tell you my, what I think about fans versus followers. When I follow someone on social media, I live vicariously through the creator's content. When it comes to Jesus, I live for the creator's content. When it comes to social media, I have no commitment required to follow. When it comes to living for Jesus, I'm called to lay my life down for the gospel. Very different than social media. When it comes to social media, listen to this. I control the narrative. Who I follow, who I thumbs up, who I share, who I like. But when it comes to following Jesus, I say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to your narrative. 
I'm going to live for you. Let your will be done. Let your on earth as it is in heaven. It's a very, very different than following me or following someone on social media. When I follow someone on social media, I lay no claim to the creator's intellectual content. I, I cannot lay claim to that. But when I come to follow Jesus, I take the content that he's given me in his word of God as a directive to make disciples of all nations. I'm taking that creative content and I'm using it and God is calling me to make disciples. When I follow someone on social media, my opinions have very little power over the content creator. When I follow Jesus, we have a wonderful savior who says, I don't need you, but I am inviting you into my narrative so that you will take my message to the world. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Lastly, when I follow somebody on social media, I am com almost completely anonymous to that person. When I follow Jesus, I am deeply loved by a God. Psalm 139 says, he thinks of me more than the sands that are on the seashore. Totally different. So what does it mean to be a fan versus a follower? What does that really mean? Today what I want to do I want to help you to just go deep into yourself and answer this question. Am I truly a fan or am I a follower of Jesus? I mean, is Jesus like this guy? I like him. I come up here, I've got this beautiful worship, and I engage in the song, but I really am not engaged in the Savior. Who is Jesus to you? You know, 20%, it's really funny, 20% I have found of churches have people who serve or give to the kingdom work of that church. The rest of the people, the 80% remaining, are anonymous people in the pews. And that's just the cold, hard truth. So when I come and speak at a church, I want us to really ask, am I part of that 80% that's anonymous, or am I part of that 20% that is serving and known? You know, for I, and I, I'll tell you this right now. I am not a fan of Jesus Christ. I'm not a fan. I'm a radical, devoted follower of Jesus. Romans 1.6 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation of all men, first the Jews and then the Gentiles. I'm not ashamed and I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm a follower. And so we all must think of this this morning. So I'm going to pray. We're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 9, and we're going to look at three fans who thought they were followers who approached Jesus and how Jesus handled them. And then we're going to ask, a, I want you to answer three questions I'm going to ask based on that narrative. So let's turn to Luke chapter 9, and let's pray real quick. Father, we praise you today. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the God of the universe. The psalmist wrote, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I would add, so that we may follow him. The rock that Hebrews says is the same yesterday today and forevermore. So we center our lives on you. We don't want to click a thumb, click a heart, click an arrow. We don't want to be your fan, God. We want to be your ruthless, relentless followers. So God, help us to answer that question today. Am I a fan or am I a follower? In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I want to show you some, so I felt, hey, it's the first week of football season, so I figure I'm going to pull some, you know, pull some pictures off for you of, of some radical fans and kind of, listen, I'm going to make fun of all of the fans, so it's just fun to watch this. So here's a, here's a picture of some fans. Here we go. Ready? So we got the, the black hole, the Raider, Raider Nation, the only fan base that actually hates their team. My, my son is a Raiders fan. My brother's a Raiders fan. I've never ta- seen people that talk, like, I'm a Steelers guy. Like, we don't ever talk smack. We live in the 70s. I mean, I'm seeing Jack Lambert. That's 1972. But, I mean, we live in the 70s, but we still love our, you know, but the Raiders, they hate their, they hate the, hate the coach, hate the quarterback. I'm like, but they always say we. So whenever I talk to a Raiders fan, I'm like, so you hate yourself. Yeah, we, uh, we, we. Yeah, yeah. See my tattoo? Okay. Next fan, next fan. Go Bulldogs. Fresno State wins, what, double overtime last night? Pulls one out. Huh? Gotta love the Bulldogs. All right. Gotta love it. I wanted to go there after high school, but it didn't work out for me. Oh, well. Oh, well. Okay, next one. Viva Los Dodgers. Viva Los Los Dodgers. Okay, I don't know. That guy looks scary to me. He looks like, I think I saw a movie with him in it called The Mask with, what was his name? What's that guy's name? Thank you. Yeah, okay, next one. Giants. Any Giants fans out there? I saw a couple Giants. I saw a Giant hat yesterday. Okay, Giants fan. I don't know, man. I think that guy probably should have kept his shirt on and kept his shirt on and just. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on. Okay, now I am a Lakers guy, so here are some Lakers. These, these are kind of some conservative Lakers fans. So what I did is we looked, we looked high and low. We looked on Instagram, TikTok videos. X, Twitter, which Twitter, X, whatever, uh, Snapchat, those went away real fast, we couldn't, you know, but we found the ultimate Lakers fan, this guy's insane, I, we, we saw this picture, we thought we don't know if we should post it in a church, but here it is, yeah, 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 oh man, he, he knew it was coming, he knew it was coming, he knew it was coming. So, so why, you know, hey, think about this. A lot of you are involved in fan to see football. Fan to see football. So here are some things I've learned about fans. I think fans are necessary. I think if without a fan base, we don't have teams. I think there is a place for fans. I'm not bad-mouthing fans. I think fans are awesome. Here's, here's some things about fans that you need to realize that separates them from the people who are actually in the arena. Fans are in the stadium, but they're not on the field. They live vicariously through those in the actual battle. They are great coaches from comfortable couches. Fans are close to the danger and far from the harm, except pickleball. Okay, okay. That's when you know you're over 50, when you have a pickleball joke in your message. Fans fly the right colors, but wear the counterfeit uniforms. So don't get offended. Don't get offended. Okay. Okay. Fans pay the price of admission, but not the cost of sweat equity. Fans, fans are anonymous to the warriors in the trenches. James wrote about fans. Uh, Jesus talked about fans. We see fans all over. I will say this going into this. This is not a guilt or shame thing. This is not a uh, message where I'm trying to uh, manipulate you into doing something before God's timing. You know, I was in a church. In fact, Caitlin was in my youth group, and one of our mantras was, Every Christian is a minister and every minister has a ministry. The next church I worked in after that, the mantra was every man or every Christian a minister. And I started thinking about this. I thought, well, what about the person who's just given their life to Jesus? Maybe they were in recovery and they're just trying to 
get their life solid for a season? Or what about the single mom who's trying to raise four kids on her own? Or what about, there's a lot of scenarios where those statements could sound manipulative and harsh and cruel. So I, I don't want to do that today, okay? I don't know where you are in your story, okay? So you might be in a place you're saying, hey, Jim, I love Jesus, I'm following Jesus, but I'm like the woman with the two little coins, right? I just, I'm barely hanging on here. So I understand that. So I don't want you to think, if you're working through just figuring this out, I'm, hey, you, you get to where you need to be. I do not want to guilt or shame anyone, because I know we're all in a different place. So I do want to say that. Are you guys all with me? Amen on that? Okay. Uh, that's very important, because Romans 8, 1 is very clear. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the last thing some weird guest guy wants to do is come and scare you into submission, or manipulate you into movement, and that's not what I'm about. Okay. Let's get to Luke 9. Luke 9, 57, we're going to go through verse 62. This is such an interesting passage to me. I love the gospel of Luke. Luke, again, Luke was written to uh, Gentiles. The theme of Luke is Jesus is thrown a party and everyone's invited. He, in, in Luke, nobody, nobody in the Bible, none of the other gospels highlight women the way Luke highlights women. None of the other Gospels highlight non-Jewish people the way that Luke highlights Jewish people. No other Gospel has Jesus interacting with kind of people that are really struggling the way Luke, is, Luke does it. This is the coolest Gospel because it says, hey, the Lord Jesus is throwing a party and you're inviting, invited. Even you bald guys can come. Okay, so here we go. Luke 9.57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Verse 59, he said to another man, I find it interesting that these are dudes that keep coming up to him. Anyway, that's a whole other story maybe. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said to him, I will follow you, Lord. But he said, first let me go back Say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service the kingdom of God. Here's what I'll tell you about Jesus. He didn't care about his social media influence. Jesus would not have been an influencer on social media because he didn't care. He didn't care about building a fan base. He cared about building a follower base, which you're going to find at the end of this message, I'm going to tell you what happened next. He just didn't care. In John 6.53, Jesus says, hey, hey, all you followers, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What are you, a vampire? And the Bible says that they, at verse 66, that many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. So many so that Jesus turned to his disciples and said, hey, are you guys going to leave too? And, and they said, no, you have the words of life. But Jesus is not interested in building a fan base of thumb clickers and heart clickers, and arrow clickers, and emoji senders. He is interested in devoted, radical followers who will go to the very ends of the earth for him. Look at fan one. So fan one, verse 57. Fan one says, I will follow you wherever you go. I think you might have a fill in the blank there. Wherever, and Jesus says to him, hmm, wherever? Foxes have dens? Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, Jesus says to him, you'll follow me wherever? How about there? How about there? Jesus is saying, I don't have 
a big house. I'm, I'm a renter. Will you follow me to that? Will you drop the American dream to go and give to kingdom missions or to go on a missions trip? Will you drop your, your great job to follow God's call to, to, into full-time ministry potentially? Will you drop? Will you, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, bro, it's time to get uncomfortable. We're a little bit comfortable in the church. Look at how comfortable those seats are. Those are awesome. So comfortable. Next time, when, heated seats are coming, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, in our, you know what I'm saying? We're so comfortable. In the, we're so comfortable. And Jesus is going, man, I'm sleeping. On a, I mean, I had this beautiful Tempur-Pedic pillows in the hotel. I put two of them because my shoulders are big. And this long, I just, oh, and I had another pillow. I kind of, never, I won't say that because I don't get manlawed. You know, I'm like this, oh, it's so nice. Jesus had a rock for a pillow. And he's saying, bro, it's time to get uncomfortable. He wants, I believe, comfort is the enemy. It really is. He wants us to get out of our comfort zone and to step in this wild, beautiful, unknown of living with abandon for Jesus, no matter what he tells us to do. I call this the couch potato Christian. They place comfort. A lot of our decisions that we refuse to make for Jesus are because of the comfort. Think about this. Man, I'm not going to give that building project. That's going to cost me something. I'm not going to tithe. How am I going to go water skiing? How am I going to go to Squaw Valley if I give my, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? How am I going to, how am I going to go watch the Bulldogs play football? Hold on a second. Hold on, I'm crossing the line. Okay, okay. In just a few verses earlier, in verse 23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. He's saying, get uncomfortable. Okay. Do I get a free shirt for that? Okay, thank you. Oh, it is. I wear smalls. I wear mediums. Okay, yeah. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But Jesus Christ now lives in me. The life I live in my body, I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's what Jesus is saying to this bro in fan number one. Jesus teaches fan number one what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5.7. This is in the Bible, New Living Translation. Talk is cheap. I just quoted a Bible verse. Talk is cheap. But here's the problem the older I get, the more stuff I have. Like, I've got a room just for my guns. A whole room. It's called a safe. I've got a room that my car sleeps in. It's called a garage. I have a room for my lawn. My lawnmower has a room. I mean, think about this. I have so much stuff. I'm so rich. My toilet flushes. I go push a button. Electricity comes on. I push another button, I get colder. Another button, I get warmer. I'm so rich. I'm so rich. It's hard to get rid of that stuff, right? We hold on to it. A fan says, it's, fans are like seagulls. Mine, 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 mine. And Jesus says, no, it's actually mine. And I, I want to know if you'll, just put your hand like this and hold it. If you'll, if you'll just hold stuff like this for me. This is, what fan, this is what followers of me do. This is what fans do. Will you get uncomfortable for Jesus? He asks fan number one. 
Well, let's move on to fan number two because this room's getting a lot warmer and really uncomfortable. So move, fan number two, verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. You can sense the urgency in those words, right? Follow me, but, but. He replied, Lord, first, now we have a timing issue. First, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but first you go proclaim, proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus sounds a little harsh here to me. I'm like, Jesus, this is an anger. Is there an anger class in the church? It sounds like anger. You sound abrasive. I mean, this is, what about compassionate, loving Jesus? He sounds a little abrasive here to me. But if you realize what's really going on, you'll be like, oh, I get it. I get it. This guy has a timing issue, and Jesus says to him, so you'll follow me whenever? How about now? I want you now. I want you to follow me now. Kyle Eidelman writes, when Jesus calls to follow, he means right now, he means today. Later, often, becomes forever. I believe that today is the follower's day to execute. Tomorrow is the fan's excuse. So if we interpret this in its original language, we kind of understand Jesus' response. In the original language, this, language, this man could have said to Jesus, hey, let me wait until my parents die. So if you just wait, I'm taking care of my elderly parents. When they die, I'll follow you. And Jesus is saying, no. I want you now. Followers say now, now, now. Fans say when, when, when. I will volunteer in the youth department when my kids are older or when my kids leave the house. I will join a small group when I have more time. I will attend a local church service when it is convenient for me. I will attend a local church service when the Raiders aren't playing at home. You know what I'm saying? We, we like to say win, 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 but that's not how followers act. Followers ignore the wins, the buts, and the ifs, and they follow Jesus. They let go of those excuses to follow Jesus and make him first. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I think about the 12 disciples, later known as the 12 apostles. You know, we talk about them being average, but now think about this. They are, they are known in world history famously known in world history. So people aren't famously known in world history unless they do something great. Am I right or wrong? I mean, think about it. So what did they do that made them great? They did something that made them great. In Luke chapter 5, we read a story of Peter and Andrew fishing, and they catch so many fish, the Bible says the nets begin to tear. Do you know the story? The nets begin to tear. And at that point, Jesus calls them. In Matthew chapter uh, 4, verse 18, it's the same story, only Jesus says in verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And verse 20 says, immediately they followed him. Now, now, think about this. There are over 100 fish in a broken net. You've got James and John, Andrew and Peter, and I'm going, who cleaned the fish? Zebedee must have been ticked. Who fixed the nets? I'll tell you, that my dad would have crushed me if that happened. These guys get up and they leave. Sorry, pops. I'm out of here. We're gone. Who cleaned the nets? Who cleaned the fish? I mean, think about it. This blows me away. They're known in history because they followed Jesus now. When Jesus said, when you, will you follow me whenever, 
12 dudes said, I'm in. I'm in. Do you know how radical that is? That's radical. Who cleaned the fish? Gosh, those stinky fish and the broken... Man, I, I don't know. I, I want to just go to talk to Zebby about that. So, Zeb, Zeb, what's up, bro? Tell me about your boys when they did that. Oh, man. And I, you guys who watched The Chosen, come on. No, you know that didn't happen because there were clean, there were fish involved need to be cleaned. And so, Zebedee would have been ticked. I just know it. Okay, so let's move on to the third, the third fan. To me, I think this fan might be the best fan of all. This one is more strategic. Uh, this one uh, has a, maybe a better excuse. But let's see what happens with fan three. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, there's that word again, first let me go back, so you can imagine him going, hey, uh, let me go, I'm going to go back and just say goodbye to them. Let me go back and say goodbye. To my family, Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Man, that's my family back there. Those are my kids. Those are my, those are my kids' husbands. Those are my grandkids. That's my wife back there. What are you talking about? Jesus answers. You know, let me talk about this. My wife is watching right now. Hi, honey. When, when I got married to her, I said, I'm in full-time ministry. You're never going to own a home. So if you, don't wanna, if, you don't wanna, if you want a home, don't marry me. I'm never going to own one. She said, I want to marry you. But I'll never live in Los Osos, California, because it's a grungy little town with the streets that never end. They're always dead ends. I'll never do it. 1995, we're in a church service. Uh, Caitlin was probably a sophomore in high school. We're in the worst church service I ever was in in my life. The worship leader's fighting with a chorus director. The fact that there's a chorus director should tell you about the church. Okay. And God says to me, this is your home. I turn to my wife. She's bawling. She's crying. I go, God just called us here. She goes, I know. <laughs> Ten years later, God calls us to Oregon. My wife says, yes, I'll go. You know, when we got married, my wife vowed Ruth 1.16 to me. That was in her vows. Wherever you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. 2003, we moved our kids, two rats, two, two dogs, and a cat, 850 miles of Oregon. And my wife said, I, I believe God is calling you. Let's go. Nine years later, God called me and said, hey, I want you to quit your day job. I want you to start a nonprofit organization from scratch. And my wife said to me, I've trusted you for 20 years. I will keep trusting you. And then we started getting the, yellow, the white notices saying you've missed a house payment. Then we got the yellow notices saying that you missed a house payment. Then we got the pink notices. Then we had a guy with an Indian accent calling me. Then I had a woman with a Hispanic accent call me. Then I had another dude with an Alabama, I, I don't know if it was Alabama, I don't know, Southern accent call me. And my wife is staying strong through all of that. Because my wife is not a fan. She's a follower. She's a champion. I wish she was here so you could applaud her. She's amazing. She's probably mad at me now because I made you clap for her. Okay, so Jesus says to fam number three, he says, you'll follow me to whoever? How about them? Will you follow me to them? You know, it's tough to follow Jesus when you're looking over your shoulder at your old life and relationships. I love in John chapter four, verse one, John writes, he had to go through Samaria. You can tell John is ticked. He, Jesus is bulldozing his politics. He's bulldozing his, his uh, old life of the Samaritans. Jesus had to go through, had to go through. 
The cultural practice of saying goodbye back in the time of Jesus could have lasted several weeks. And Jesus is saying that's not acceptable. I want you to make a choice now. Now is the time. Matthew 12, 50, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 19, 29, anyone who has given up his house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times more in return and inherit eternal life. There's no more looking back when you're a believer. I talked to a young man, he goes, I don't want to go to church. We've got 14,000 men in our forum. We have 8,000 of those men do not attend a local church. I love the local church. I had one young man say, the local church is filled with weird people. I'm like, yeah, so what? Yeah, we drink pumpkin spice lattes. What's your problem? Here's the deal. Your new relationship with Jesus means new relationships. Does this make sense? There's a word floating around, and it's not biblical. It's a counterfeit word, and it's a word we like to throw around. And the word, I've heard this, I don't hear about much anymore, but it's a word, I, and I'd never heard it before until a couple years ago, xenophobia. Fear of people who are different than you. It literally means in the Greek, fear of strangers, right? That word is not the word that we should use in the church. The word we should use in the church is the biblical word, philoxenia. It's the word for hospitality. We had a song, we had the word hospital in it earlier. That's where we get the word for hospital is through hospitality. Philo, meaning love. Xenia, meaning strangers. Do you know that biblical hospitality is not having your buddies over for wings while you watch the Niners game today? That's not hospitality. Biblical hospitality is loving strangers. It's loving the people in church that you don't know. It's going to a small group right after church and signing up for a small group with a bunch of people you don't know. And yes, they're weird, because you're weird. How do you, spell, how do you learn to spell the word weird? I learned how to spell it this way, we W-E, we are weird, W-E-I-R-D. We are weird, we are weird. You're the church, you are in the minority of the humanity. Most people don't believe what you believe. You are weird people, so get over yourselves. Gosh, Jesus said, this is how they will know you're my disciples. If you love the other weird people like you. I'm sure that's maybe a translation, sorry, pastor. Okay, Romans 12, 13, when God's, God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice philoxenia, hospitality. Are you really, hey, listen, you'll follow me to whoever? How about the, them? How about the children's department? How about the middle schoolers? You know, the, I've killed a lot, of, I've hunted a lot in my life, and the meanest animal I've ever seen, ever, is an eighth grade girl. And the dumbest animal is an eighth grade boy. But they need you to go to them anyway and love on them. The high school group, recovery, uh, the worship team. Who can you go to? Who can you go to? And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, taking the first step and walking out that information table is hard. When you say, I'm going to sign up for a group and be in this group, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who they are. People who may have a hormones at a different level than us. People who may have a color that's different than us. People that may have a house that's different than us. People that may have kids that are different than us. Or an education that's different than us. Or maybe, God help them, they live in whew, Dinuba. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, are you willing to go to them? 
Them? Are you willing to go to them? Because that's what the Bible is saying here. Jesus is saying, are you willing to go? Did I cross a line there with Dinuba? <laughs> the longest run, I'm just saying because it's right down the street. The longest run I ever had in high school football was against Dinuba. I got caught on the two-yard line. Some fast little Dinuba kid got me. I'm like, I'm still bitter. I need, to, need some help for that. Okay. <laughs> Matthew 25, 37. The righteous will reply to him, Lord, we did, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to eat, drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. So I have a men's service that meets locally. I'm going to confess something to you. Because I mean, I'm, I'm a human working through this with you guys. We, had, we have this men's service that happens every Wednesday night. And guys from all over come in, and we have table groups with Bible studies, kind of like yesterday. And one of the questions was, what really bothers you? And I said, I, I, I'm bothered by stupid people. I'm just telling you what I said. I said, there is a guy whose kids were in my youth group. She had, I'm going to, she had almost a dozen children with this man, and he left her. And he didn't want to support her, so he never got a job. And this poor Christian woman raised these 12 kids alone with no dad and went from church to church begging. And I know that because the kids were in my youth group. And it was so painful to watch. It was so hard. And now I see that guy on the street holding a sign begging for food. He's healthy. He's mentally stable. He's, he's no more different than you or I. He just refuses to work. And I said, every time I see that guy, I want to throw a rock at him. Next Wednesday, he showed up in my group. Yeah, he did. I'm like, Lord, good one. You got me. I'm like, you got me. So we built a friendship, took him to lunch, had meals, hung out. I mean, I was, God was saying to me, hey, Jim, you'll follow me to whoever? How about that guy? who you know his story, and it's really, really messy. That guy, I love that guy. Will you love that guy? And I was like, no. I mean, I kept saying no, and I finally, finally said yes. It cost me a broken arm, but I said yes. But here's what I'm learning, you guys, is that we, we need to be willing to follow to whoever, whoever. We need to build people who fly a different flag in the yard, people who vote for a different political office, people who look different, smell different, drink different types of coffee. I don't care. But we need, to, we need to do that. That's what God has called us to do as believers. So when I get to the end of this chapter, I go, okay, God, uh, I'll follow you whenever, wherever, whoever. And then Luke just kind of, Luke is like, he just ends the chapter. The chapter's over. You walk out of here and you're going, oh, I, I like, I'm anxious now because the chapter's over and I don't know what happened next. What happened to these three guys? The cool thing about Luke, in Luke chapter 1, verse 3, Luke says, I wrote this in chronological order. Oh, what's chapter 10, verse 1 say? So I'm like, oh, Luke, okay, thank you, Luke. I mean, if you were Matthew, I'd have been ticked. Matthew goes all over the place. But Luke, okay, so I turn to Luke chapter 10. Look at Luke chapter 10. It says, after, verse, I'm looking at, uh, look at, check this out. After this, after this is going back to verses 47, or 57 to 62 in Luke chapter 9, so in Luke chapter 10, after Luke chapter 9, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, in every town. Now, now, by the way, this here, I know the 12 disciples were men, but this here, I'm telling you, this was a mixed bag of people. 
It never says men here. This is men, women. This is the whole, I mean, right? Okay, here we go. So just get the context. Sent them ahead of him, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, therefore pray earnestly for the Lord's harvest and sent out laborers into the harvest. Go on your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs amidst the wolves. So here's what was going on. Jesus has he's this crowd, and he's going, I need to whittle this down because I don't care about fans. I care about followers. And the next day, he sent them. Because this group said, I will go with you wherever. I will go with you whenever. And I will go with you to whoever. So my question for us today is, how'd you do? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone and do something uncomfortable today and walk out there and sign up? We're launching, you're right, perfect time of the year. Things are launching, groups are launching, ministries are launching. The youth ministry is probably getting ready to do their fall kickoff. The children's ministry is launching. What a beautiful time. Just go out there and do it. Will you go wherever? Will you go whenever? Will you do it now? Will you go to whoever? Is there like... As you, in your heart right now, just ask God this. God, who do you want me to go to? And I'm telling you, the first thing that pops in your head, you need to go sign up for that group. You need to go out there. He's at, Jesus is looking for followers. He does not care about fans. He loves fans. He does not care about building a tribe of fans. He cares about building a Nation of followers. So I'm, I believe that whenever, whenever I like to speak, I just like to, do, I like to ask people to do something great. And a lot of times that great thing is really a small thing. And if you haven't figured it out already, I'm going to ask you, if you are not in a small group, two-thirds of this church is involved in some kind of group. That's awesome. The other third, I'm going to ask you to get into a small group. Don't worry about who's in that group. You should hope that they're different than you. Go into a group that just go in. Be a part of it. If you're not currently serving in this church, I'm going to challenge you to serve. Sign up for you know, a ministry that you like. I don't like anything. I just like to fix cars. Sign up. Do an oil change for single moms. I mean, do something. I just like to hunt. Take some kid on a dove hunt. It's dove season right now. And they're all over the place. Do something. Do something. Serve God with your gifts. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just, okay, but I just don't like kids. Man, well, there's no better way to fall in love with a little kid than to go work with them. Kids are awesome. I mean, I'm just, I'm just want to challenge you guys. And I told Pastor, I want to say some things that, I, I don't, you know, he might get fired for. And I'm just going to, I mean, and he's probably going, you haven't said it yet, bro. But I just want to challenge you guys. This is a phenomenal church. I mean, honestly, it's a, it, this is a, man, it's a wonderful church. But when I looked and drove around, I drove to Espy's last night and had dinner, and the chili verde was way spicy. But I'll tell you this, there are a lot of lost people in the valley. And they need a redeemer. And they need redeemers. Will you stand with me as I pray? Father, we just thank you for this morning. God, you have called your followers to do great things for you. You've called your followers to do radical things for you. But the most radical thing you've called your followers to do is follow immediately. So God, let us dispel of 
then or when or if, but God, let us move. Let us move. As Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 5, 7, talk is cheap. So God, let's, let's put it to action, God. You know, move out of the foyer, go right to that info table and sign up for a group, sign up for a ministry. God, I just pray that. I pray your blessings over that. I pray for you to bless this church, for the pastoral team. What an amazing team you've given. What a great worship team you've given. Uh, we just thank you for all that you're doing in this church. We pray your blessings upon it mightily and in the mighty name of Jesus, who we are not a fan of. But God, we've given our lives to follow, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.